begin. The internet, a doorway to the world's most fascinating and terrifying communities. To explore it is to interrogate that which makes us human. Only some are brave enough to venture into these other worlds. Only some are brave enough to be called. The Internet Explorers. Hello everybody and welcome back to Anderson Brothers, The Internet Explorers. I am your host, Evan Axel Anderson. And I, all the way on the other side of the table, am your other host, David Ryan Anderson. Guys, traditionally, for this season, uh, David, traditionally, traditionally, it has long been tradition for the Anderson Brothers to podcast from different time zones, but now I could boop David right on the nose if I wanted to. Evan has visited for the winter, I guess, basically, you're off school. I've fled the plague-infested lands of California to come to the snowy, wintry wasteland of Chicago. So yeah, so you're basically just here, uh, you're socially, a socially distant vacation. And it's fitting because this is a very special episode, guys, not only because we're sitting here in in person together, but also because there was a, what I'm going to describe as a coup, an attempted coup? Question mark. <laughs> uh, this past week on Wednesday. Um, I think coup, you know, if you want to like split hairs about it, I guess it wasn't a coup. Many people do want to split hairs about it, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. Like they were not uh, assuming that I'm going to guess that everybody who's listening to the podcast is aware of what happened on Wednesday. A massive crowd of, of I, I don't know. If you like call upwards them. of a thousand. Yeah. Yeah. Like protesters. Ins- I'll call them insurrectionists. Want to be insurrectionists. It's I think. And the reason why it's hard to put these titles on, because I think the intentionality, and and we'll get into this, is varied, right? Some people, I think you could legitimately call them insurrectionists, and I think some people you could legitimately call them protesters. Yeah. So they stormed um, the Capitol in Washington, D.C., broke into the Senate with the intent of uh, preventing the election from being called for Joe Biden and, you know— giving it to Trump instead. Is that a coup exactly? I I'm not going to split hairs about it. I'm going to I'm going to say it's a coup. It was an attempted coup, an attempted insurrection, whatever you want to say. Yeah. But it just happened and Evan and I were planning in advance for this episode to be our part 2 of the 2020 election where we discuss the fact that the Republican party and the far right and just like the right in general in the wake of Trump's defeat, is having this a real dark night of the soul or whatever. Having a real bad day, David. There, but there's a lot of like weird fracturing and also in some ways coming together and alliance building. But it's all very like chaotic and haphazard. There's a vacuum. Uh, yeah. I mean, Trump is on the out. And I think a lot of the direction that this sort of coalition, sort of political coalition has had is going away. Yeah. So I think there is a lot of soul searching and what part of the sort of idea of like, what's the way forward is to just deny that there is a new reality essentially. Right. Yeah. Basically say, no, we're not going to accept it. We're just going to keep doing things. We're going to do whatever it takes to make things the way that they were before the election. Yeah. Um, but the fact that this has just happened, uh, basically what Evan and I, I feel like in a way, this feels like a culmination of the entire podcast, you know? Hmm. A lot of the Internet Explorer podcast is basically 
looking at these weird um, sort of phenomenon and phenomena, whatever, online and ways that communities are built and they reinforce one another. And you see a lot of patterns repeating and they're constantly building. And I feel like this seemed like a moment or we were waiting for, I thought it was going to happen on the inauguration. I was Interestingly not, enough, David also thought it was going to happen on January 6th. <laughs> I forgot that the inauguration was not on the 6th. <laughs> but yeah, um, so I, but regardless, I thought that something was going to go down on the inauguration. And on a lot of our podcast, we started off, our very first episode was talking about Nazis online. And over time, I feel like the podcast has become increasingly serious and dire Originally, like we were talking about web Nazis and whatever, and we were we were also talking about like funny life hacks and things like that. It was that was well, I think it was also our, our confused early days. You know, we were <laughs> we're going through podcast puberty. We weren't sure exactly what direction we we're taking things. What we're going for, yeah. Throughout the course of this episode, I think we're going to kind of name drop a lot of topics and things that I don't think we're going to have time to go into like extreme detail about. But we will do our best to call out previous episodes we've done that you can reference for more information uh, because a lot of this stuff is just, it's been building to something like this. And that was something in our previous two episodes where we're like, it really seems like, you know, if you take a lot of these communities at their word, recently we've been talking so much about right wing communities, whether they're far right or um, more garden variety um, MAGA Trump supporters, or you've got the real hardcore conspiracy theory groups um, you know, if you take these people at their word, what they're talking about online, which is very easy to just go and observe what they say, then it makes sense that like, oh yeah, no, they are prepared to do something like this in the event that Trump doesn't win or that, you know, the Democrats start gaining power, which is just the normal, that's just kind of how politics goes. Like your yeah. guy doesn't win all the time, but yeah, so well, and I mean, we talked about last episode, or I guess the past two episodes, because QAnon has basically been taking over a lot of our discussion these days. But we've spoken in the last two episodes about this idea of there is an apocalypticism around QAnon sort of aspects of Trump's support, and the idea that Trump is a messianic kind of figure, yeah. and it is much in the way that if you're thinking of sort of a worldly power sort of messianic figure, you're going to say, hey, the guy lost now. Um, that isn't in the equation. So yeah. you have to rethink what the equation is. And like I said, one of those sort of uh, ways of coping with what has happened is to deny that it has happened or to actively fight people and engage in battle with them in a very literal sense to make yeah. sure that it doesn't happen. Um, since this just all went down. A lot of this story is like ongoing. We're not going to have the more retrospective, like let's get all the information out kind of approach we usually do with these topics because it's, I mean, even as we were preparing for this episode, just in the last day, new stuff was coming out that was making us recalibrate, you know, like our data and whatever. Yeah. Um, so keep that in mind. What's the, today is, uh, today is December it is not December. Don't lie to the people. Today is January 10th. Uh, right now we are in central time. It is one o'clock. <laughs> um, 
Because I don't know, because like, I don't know, it might be that day something changes. Yeah, by day. tonight or whatever, something comes I say, out. I say that day for you listeners. In the future. Uh, in the future. This whole episode is going to be pretty rough. You yeah. might hear us occasionally take a, a nice, generous sip, sip of tea. Let's just get people used to that sound. Let's go to our usual jump. Let's do it. We'll see you on the other side of the jump. Ready? We're jumping. Ready? We're jumping. <laughs> One, two, three. Let's do it. One. Oh, two. 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 <laughs> this and is going to be a bad jump. Three. Three. <laughs> So we can kind of trace what has happened back to the election and really just the the election of Donald Trump. But if we're thinking about like proximate cause, right, the immediate reason for why the march happened on the 6th, who was behind it and who was engaged in sort of calling people to arms essentially on that day, uh, we actually have to go back to December the 19th. Um, There was a post on Reddit showing a tweet from Donald Trump. Uh, and Donald Trump basically calls for people to come to D.C. for a big protest, in quotes. Uh, be there, will be wild. Yeah. So already we know that the group of people that showed up on the 6th had been planning for about a month to show up on that day. This is based also like Donald Trump saying come on the, the the certification of the election results. We're going to have a bunch of Trump people all show up. It's going to be wild. As innocuous as like a statement like that is in a vacuum, to his supporters who have been primed, many of them, to expect some kind of, you know, basically government overthrow, that's like, that you're throwing red meat to them saying something like that. And... This is something we've talked about on the podcast before is like how much is Trump or his team kind of aware of what his supporters think and feel at this? I think there's no excuse at this point to not know that there are neo-Nazi groups, right wing militia groups, conspiracy theorists who believe that this is some kind of apocalyptic day that is coming Um, to like not know that. They are like expecting a big moment of literally, I mean, literally a day of the rope, like to go down, you know, hang and capture and, you know, uh, uh, their political enemies and things like that. And that's a and that term isn't one that they were just throwing out there because yeah. he knows about sort of like the thinking and the psychology of these people. But it's an actual term that they use. This is from the Turner Diaries, which is a book. I don't know when it was written, like the 80s or 70s. The 70s, yeah. Um, basically celebrating a fictional sort of white nationalist overthrow of all governments around the world yeah. um, and the murder and genocide of basically minorities and leftists and liberals it's uh, a around Nazis the world. Nazis 2.0. It's literally just like, let's finish where the Nazis started kind of a thing. Yeah. So. Uh, and that term comes from that book. And this is what some of these people are referring to. Um, a lot of them. A lot of them, yeah. This is basically a white nationalist Bible, the Turner Diaries. It's been used by, I mean, since it was written. Um, it was published by a white nationalist uh, uh, organization and stuff like that. They still give it out a lot of, um, yeah, a lot of these people have it and promote it. They'll give it out at their events and things like that. It's a big recruiting uh, tool that they use. Yeah. But this is a thing. It's it's expected that there must be, a, there must come a time where, you know, we will overthrow 
the elites and the, you know, the whatever leftists in leftist is an almost meaningless term yeah. when they're using it. Cause like they'll insert Joe Biden, a leftist and stuff like that. Joe Biden's the most like milk, milk toast, liberal kind of guy, liberal kind of guy you can imagine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and uh, it takes on different forms. It's also highly anti-Semitic, right? It, it, when you think yeah. about like the the anti-capitalism of the far right is always tied to some sort of like, well, Jews control money. And that's why we're against capital, yeah. essentially. The Jewish banking system and stuff. Yeah. So yeah, for QAnon, it's the storm. It's, that's, it's the exact same thing, but they call it the storm that's coming. So this is, you know, Donald Trump by saying like, everybody come on this day, it's going to be wild. That's really all it took. Also, these groups have been very, they're impatient at this point. They feel that they've been expecting Donald Trump to deliver them power, you know, and not, not just deliver them power, but like, you know, deliver them like, like your voice is going to be heard, um, which in their mind basically means, you know, effectively, if you actually look at what they're saying, it means you're going to be made an elite class, like basically. Yeah. So that this is something that they've been anticipating, whether or not. Trump himself has directly promised those things is you can debate that, but this is what they think he's been promising them. And now, you know, it hasn't happened yet. And now they're being told this is basically the last chance because after this, Trump won't even be in power anymore. Yeah. The, the, the enemy is going to be in power again. It's like, okay, well, this is literally it. Like this must be the day. So, and, and there's a lot of really harsh rhetoric around Trump, like people yeah. calling for him to be, uh, uh, impeached or arrested, you know, uh, any kind of legal action against him. So not for from a lot the right. Of them, not from the right, from the, like, from, like, Democrats, left sure. liber- liberals. Yeah. Um, and I think for a lot of them, there's also a feeling of, like, Trump might not even be free, a free person, essentially, yeah. after this. So the one sort of figurehead, the one person that is sort of invested with all of their hopes and aspirations um, is basically going to be out of the picture in a political sense. Yeah. Uh, or, or possibly so. Uh, there's a lot of um, anxiety and ferventness around this. Yeah. Um, and I'd love to read sort of some of the reactions. And again, we just mentioned to you sort of the psychology from what Dave and I have been seeing at this point and what Trump has said on December 19th, calling for people to show up on the 6th. But I'll sort of write, uh, read for you what folks are saying in response on Reddit. Someone says, I've been waiting for this. He called on us, we the people, patriots, never give up. Fight like Trump if fighting for generations to come us. There's this idea of like posterity is going to judge them if they don't fight, essentially. Now, again, fight, if that's literal or sort of like a metaphorical meaning, you could read uh, differently into that. But this is the kind of rhetoric that's surrounding this day. There's a lot of people who read that very literally. Yeah. Well, clearly, right? Because yeah. a lot of people just pulled up with guns, essentially, and there was shooting and there was firing and there were like bombs, but we get into that. Yeah. Um, we should be there in numbers, so heavy and so protected that we're able to arrest treasonous members of the government. Yes. Uh, this is somebody responding, a different person. Yes, we have and we will. He obviously called on us, we the people. One last person saying, Trump's tweet said, quotes, wild, unquote. Implying Wild West, in my mind. <laughs> it's such a complete, like, not not Mad Libs, what's the, uh, uh, like a Rorschach test almost. Yeah. And the message kind of has gone out across all, all different platforms. So 
You've got 8kun, which is the website that the host of, of QAnon, which we've mentioned before in our previous episodes. There you've got comments about like basically people organizing. You can go to Washington on January 6th and help storm the Capitol. As many patriots as can be. We will storm the government buildings, kill cops, kill security guards, kill federal employees and agents and demand a recount. And then other people were responding because, again, there's not they're kind of figuring this stuff out in real time a little bit. So others are like, why kill cops and security guards? I was under the impression the enemies were the high government officials and the rest are uninformed masses. So this also gets to another thing is that within these groups, there's a lot of debate over what is our relationship with the police and with like security guards at, at this moment, because that is something that's been mounting where ever since the election, you know, you have all these right wing groups that are marching to various state capitals demanding, you know, to stop the steal, as they say, uh, to, you know, overturn the elections for Trump. And the police have not been backing them. And as these right wing groups are showing up, you have left wing counter protesters like Antifa people and, and Black Lives Matter people who are also showing up basically to police these other groups. And then you have the actual police. And on the right, the calls to actually just straight up kill police officers and things is increasing and increasing. Um, On Reddit, you've got uh, other people who are plotting, saying things like, bring handcuffs and zip ties to D.C. No more tolerating, quote, elected officials who hate us and hate our country. January 6th is a chance to restore the country. Uh, barging into the Capitol through multiple entryways is the surest way to have our bases covered and be sure we can apprehend these traitors. So there's another thing is that you start seeing people online who are not only planning, let's show up and do something. It's let's show up and actually have a really specific plan about what we do on places like the Donald.win, <laughs> which was created because Reddit kicked off the Donald subreddit. They, yeah. they got rid of them. People start sharing blueprints and things of the yeah. of the buildings around D.C., offices surrounding, the tunnels underneath, like trying to figure out what are exit points for senators and things like that. So they, they're doing logistical planning about where to strike, uh, anticipating police responses, anticipating Congress escape routes. They evaluate like weak points to enter the Capitol and where to hold. Some people are posting maps of Capitol Hill, you know, figuring out we need groups prepared to enter uh, representative and senator office buildings to use the tunnels. Um, they start theorizing about ways to block those passages. It's This was not a spontaneous thing that happened. Yeah. There are people who had been planning this basically since the 19th and not playing it idly as in, I'm going to show up with my you know gun maybe and we're going to protest armed. Yeah. There were plans to kidnap members of Congress. There were plans to perhaps kill members of Congress. I think absolutely. I mean, if you look at just what a lot of these groups are about, I mean, QAnon, for example, their entire central uh, sort of like unifying idea is Donald Trump is appointed to combat the deep state, which includes, you know, Biden, Hillary Clinton, Nancy Pelosi, Obama, yada, yada, Chuck Schumer. At this point, even Republicans are getting in on that where they're like, clearly people like Mitch McConnell and Lindsey Graham and uh, uh, Mike Pence at this point are all part of the deep state and Donald Trump is against all of them. And when he reigns, well, it's this very messianic kind of language, then they will all be arrested and publicly executed. And it will be a glorious day of freedom and whatever. Like- and, you know, if you're familiar with 
what we've been talking about with QAnon is that that is just by the book what QAnon believers think is going to happen. That's either basic tenet. That's one of its basic tenets. Yeah, yeah it, it is that Donald Trump would do this or the government would do this. And now, and in the way that we're talking with Mark, Mike Rothschild, is that these people are saying, you know, we have to do this ourselves at this yeah. point. Not that it's something that will happen, you know, because Donald will do it, but it is something that now it's sort of like upon us to do this thing. Yeah. And and it's not just members of Congress either. I mean, there is a growing anger at just any other counter protesters, anybody who has a different opinion yeah. uh, than them. So in one of these conversations, uh, one poster writes, if Antifa shows up, shoot them. We're done here. Somebody responds saying, that's maybe not a great idea, saying, yeah, following, following that advice and we would be done here. Our movement would be over. Yeah. And just everybody in the chat room piles on this person saying, wrong, we're just getting started. Yeah. Optics, cucks, lose every time. If they cared about optics, they wouldn't have stolen an election with everyone watching. Um, and of course, someone responding even further. Yeah, agreed. They don't care for optics anymore. They have the media to cover them. It's BS, but we all decide that it's all-out war and media narrative doesn't matter anymore because winners write history. It still matters. We are in the middle of a propaganda war. The enemy's goal is to push us to violence first to fit their narrative framework. They escalate, we respond. Otherwise, it is a trap. So there is discourse going on within this community about whether or not just it is a war at this point and we should just start shooting people. Yeah, for I mean, there's a lot of talk, you know, increasingly the past few months about like are we are we headed to a civil war for a lot of these people the answer is what do you mean are we yeah it's already happening we are yeah we're in a civil war did you not know like did you like um now of course i think the question on a larger scale of like you know something resembling you know syria for example um like a syrian civil war personally i don't think that we're headed to that but for a lot of these groups, they believe they are. And basically what that gives you is, you know, I, I'm reluctant to say something like terrorist cells, but. No, I think, I mean, Dave and I both follow a guy named Umer Haq, who has been very prescient. Prescient, yeah, is a great word for it. Um, when it comes to a lot of these like big issues that face America. And one of the things that he sort of thought is the immediate fallout of this is basically that is increased white terrorism in the United States and basically these kinds of terror cells that would do things like invade, you know, government buildings and take hostages and blow things up. I mean, back in Nashville, there was that car bomb that went off that destroyed like a cell uh, tower or something along those lines. and basically a block, yeah. Yeah, a city block in Nashville. I mean, this stuff is becoming increasingly frequent already. And I think after January 20th, if, you know, Nothing goes down that's incredibly violent on the 20th. Yeah. That's the future of the America. Uh, of the America? The America. I like it. <laughs> that's going to be the future of the U.S. for the foreseeable future. He seemed like more of a traditional conspiracy theorist, like lizard people control the government, yeah, yeah. like that kind of stuff. But, Correct. So I'm not sure if he has like explicit ties to any of these groups, but I, but I mean, he's part of within these communities. And QAnon has kind of subsumed all other conspiracy theory communities at this point. Yeah. So in addition to these kind of calls for violence, there have been increasing calls for violence against police because another thing that's been happening, we're still just talking about the buildup. Yeah. Another um, pattern that we've been seeing in the buildup is that organizations like the Proud Boys, which is a far right street gang, 
uh, basically. Yeah, I mean, they they are essentially what brown shirts in, you know, uh, stormtroopers yeah. in, you know, interwar Germany were. They were a street gang that would just beat up political enemies. Yeah. So, um, and we've talked about them in our alt-right episode. There's been a huge schism between them and the and the police. Like we said, you know, they believe that the police are defending Antifa too much. That basically they've given over to Black Lives Matter and they've been... What's the word? Like, like infiltrated. Mm, cucked. They've been cucked. Yes, cucked, infiltrated, whatever. Use their word of choice. <laughs> so you have prominent Proud Boy members. Like, I'm going to drop a few names here. We Usually I feel like we try to avoid names because we just try to cover, like, gen- like unless they're, like, a very important figure. Yeah. We try to just cover, like, broad, like, communities and patterns. But I'm going to drop some names in this episode. Dude's really showing off all his connections. <laughs> I, well, no, because I feel like at this point, there's such a feeling of, like, you must be generalizing, you must be, you know, taking things out of context, yada, yada. Um, or like, okay, maybe you're painting the person with a brush that, you know, you're, oh, you're saying they're a Nazi or they're a white supremacist or whatever. Like, or maybe it's like, you know, the media is twisted that it's like, no, we know who these people are. I'll give you their names. You can look them up. They're unapologetically like the people that we're describing them as. Yeah, if if at this point you're resorting to the argument of like, ah, oh, you're, you know, you're being uh, extreme in your rhetoric towards these people. It's like, no, we're just replicating their own rhetoric about themselves at this point. I try to quote directly as much as we can on, on the show. Yeah, so people ger- refer themselves as the Nazis or the Nazis were not even close to as bad as we are. Well, right. they wouldn't say bad, but not, they're not even as close to as committed to this evil goal as the nazis were (laughs) like that that'll say evil goal either but i know what you mean yeah Yeah. (laughs) so jeremy bertino uh prominent proud boy member says i'm gonna i'm gonna censor this for the for the youth yeah for all the babies out there listening all the babies want to learn about this uh f those treasonous pig bastards don't trust the police or national guard to protect you they have been compromised other proud boys respond with things like the police aren't your friends or allies they're allies of the state. Don't let any of your cop friends or family know what you're planning to do. They will betray you. Uh, next time someone shoots a cop, I'm buying everyone a beer. Uh, others say, burn D.C. to the ground. Start with Metro Police uh, Headquarters. Once a cop violates the oath he took, he loses any protections that oath provided. Fair game. I mean, that, stuff like that. It, it goes on and on. And I believe people will listen to this. And they'll say, well, how different is that from these extreme leftists like Black Lives Matter and Antifa and stuff like this who also hate cops? To my knowledge, people are not publicly at like calling for the execution of police and stuff within those groups. Maybe some people are, but no figureheads or anything like that, to my knowledge, are calling to basically assassinate police officers and things. Yeah, I'll say this. I am online and i sort of listen to a lot of that chatter nobody's calling for police officers to be murdered essentially as far as i've seen you can take that as anecdotal but i think david and i combined basically have a pretty good grasp of the internet we run the internet (laughs) no we have a pretty good grasp of what these what signals are being sent out essentially from both of these groups and it's clear to both of us that One group is their problem with police is that they aren't killing enough people and they must be killed in return for their failure. And one group is saying cops are killing too many people. And essentially the argument is that the police uh, need to be reformed or abolished or need their budgets cut so that way they don't have the kind of equipment to uh, violence people. Yeah, or replaced with, you know, in many instances, 
different types of professionals who can come in and, and respond to things that police are not necessarily a one size fits all answer to things. I mean, and there's variety, you know, among this on the left, but correct. I, it's, I, I want to preempt any, anyone believing that somehow this is just like the same thing as like what we were seeing over, uh, over the summer. Yeah. And it, and even, and I'll say even the places of anxiety, right? People thinking about like, oh gosh, there's rioting in the streets during, you know, back in the summer. It's very obvious even to uh, somebody who I think might try and compare Black Lives Matter to um, uh, the, the attack Boys, on or, the Capitol yeah. or the Proud Boys or some group like that um, already knows that there is a qualitative difference. Um, so I, I think I think let's just kind of put that to bed at this point. Sure. So anyway, this is kind of the milieu that has been existing up in the in the lead up to January 6th. And January 6th was a day that I was basically I was kind of freaked out the few days in leading up to it because it was suddenly becoming very apparent that something was going to go down that day and exactly how it would happen was unclear. But I mean, Evan and I, this is kind of what the podcast has become at this point is monitoring like, you know, uh, just kind of taking the temperature of of a lot of these groups that have violent or murderous intent that they just talk about online. FBI hit us up. FBI hit us up. Yeah. Well, here's the weird thing is that depending on who you ask in the, in, you know, today, various groups and, and, and officials will say, no, we were aware of this also. And others will say, no, we had no idea this was happening. We were totally caught off guard. Even within like the same. Even so within, yeah. I, I have to bring up the, the Lester Holt thing. So yeah. at one point, I think Lester Holt was re, uh, reacting live to what was going on. This was like December 6th. Uh, December 6th. I keep saying this. Sorry, know. I don't want it to be 20, 2021 <laughs> yet. Um, back on January 6th, he was reacting live to what was going on in the Capitol. And he said, I, nobody could have seen this coming. Literally, yeah. they go to a pre-recorded, pre-recorded yeah. report from another um, uh, reporter who just said, if you didn't see this coming, you weren't paying attention. Yeah, yeah. This was in five seconds of each other. Yeah. <laughs> so already it's very apparent that there are certain people who are unwilling to pay attention to this kind of stuff or just are complete, like they think it's such fantasy that it could never happen here. Right. And I think that accepting that it can happen there's a lot of like security that you have to break down. You know, you look at like the the hierarchy of needs in, in humans, like security is so foundational and the belief that something like this can happen, it basically, it, it unsettles the, these other needs that are built on top of that. So to admit that, even if you have the evidence and even if a part of you can understand what's going on, there's going to be a part of you, even if it's, it's just a cognitive dissonance, that always says like, yes, but I'm sure it'll be fine. So you've got uh, in Washington, D.C., Attorney General Carl Racine said there were no surprises. Everyone who was a law enforcement officer or a reporter knew exactly what these hate groups were planning. They were planning to descend on Washington, D.C., and they were planning to charge and do combat justice at the Capitol, which is something Rudy Giuliani had, had called for. And we'll get into that in a moment. But at the same time, you had Washington police chief. Uh, Robert Conti saying no intelligence existed that suggested there would be a breach of the U.S. Capitol. It is so bizarre to me that on the one hand, people would be like, oh, we all knew this was happening. This was not a secret. 
which I believe it wasn't a secret. If you're paying attention, which I realize many just people at home, they have no need to pay attention to this stuff the way that, you know, you and I monitor these things because we are. Uh, we have committed diseased. to we have committed to do this on your <laughs> behalf, folks. Or, or a lot of these anti-fascist groups do and ideally government bodies do. Yeah, like you'd think that, you know, I don't know, like police forces and like the FBI would be on this kind of thing. Yeah. So it's very weird because, as you know, the response was very limited. And David, that was something that they were counting on, which is that they were in the impression that the president controls the National Guard. Which right? he does, yeah. We don't need the president's permission. It's our country and we're the final check and balance to the corruption. It's our duty. And somebody responds, correct, but he can order the National Guard to stand down if needed. Unfortunately, he has no control over Capitol Police, but there are only about 2,000 of them, and a lot of them are useless fat asses or girls. And the interesting thing is that, according to reports on the day, Donald Trump did hold off the National Guard from actually getting involved. And I, at this moment, it seems like exactly what happened because the national guard was called eventually and exactly how that went down seems like i don't know if we have a clear story yet the only thing that i've seen from reporting is that the way that it eventually got called was that the secretary of the army called um the governor of maryland to call in the maryland national guard to protect the capital that's right okay that is what ha- any steps between, you know, if you heard that Pence called the National Guard at this point, we know that's not true. Yeah. The person who called it in was Secretary of the Army. OK. So, yeah. So there wasn't an expectation that Trump fulfilled that Trump would protect these people if they marched on the Capitol. And that yeah, it's exactly what happened. It, I, again, it's it's such a it's difficult for us to know because we're sitting here wherever. But exactly. Try me. What the, <laughs> I'll try you. It feels like there were so many breakdowns internally yeah. that for me, and I don't want to sound like a conspiracy theorist, it feels impossible. Like it feels like it had to be something that there must've been people who were basically saying like, we think that what's happening is a good thing. We're going to help this happen. The, you know, the, the march on, on the Capitol and and that's not conspiracy theory stuff. I mean, oh, you know, that's you. <laughs> criminal negligence is something, right? You can be negligent, so unwilling to recognize a threat that you're actually the cause of it essentially happening yeah. in criminal court. But there's also the aspect of we have evidence yeah. that like cops, like uniformed police officers were just like, yeah, let them in, basically. Sure, sure. Uh, just from every angle in different places at different times, just that sort of thing was happening. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you know, or like taking selfie selfies with like protesters coming into the building, like yeah, inside yeah. the building, there was like a broken window that somebody was climbing through and they were taking photos with the person. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, it, it is very obvious to me that everybody in the Capitol police force were not on the same page about what was proper conduct. What was the game plan for this? Right. Right. And what was expected of them and. Whether or not it was even whether what was happening was even a threat, essentially. Right. I think for a lot of them, I think they just assumed it was a protest and they wanted to help them occupy the building. It's very weird. I it's <laughs> it's so strange because on the one hand, you do have people who have been calling for, you know, uh, uh, the arrests and, and executions of various politicians. On the other hand, I do believe there are people in the march. And you have like there are photos 
you can find of people with zip tie restraints, like masked up and everything. Tactical gear. Tactical armed. gear, whatever, armed. And then you've got like, you know, like like grand, little old grandmas with flags, like stopping for photos inside. And, you you know, for some of these people, it's like they're like, I didn't even realize I thought the building was just open. I thought we were just allowed to walk in because they were, you know, far back enough in the crowd. Right. That they're like. They I just walk, they're like, this is a protest. Like, hey, we, you know, there's sit ins in the Capitol all the time. I, yeah. I imagine a lot of them thought that was what was happening. And there, so getting back to what we said earlier, it's this really weird, like, there's an increasing schism on the right between various groups, what they believe. You have more establishment Republicans who are, you know, maybe they'll kind of filibuster and yada yada. But like at the end of the day, they're not trying to overthrow the government. So like, like you're or, or declare any kind of violent uh, overthrow. Yeah. You've got the militia groups and people. You've got the conspiracy theorists who are calling for violence. You have what I've you know just been calling more garden variety Trump supporters and people who are like, I'm angry and things, yes, but ultimately I'm not like trying to like uh, to to call to arms or anything. For them, the I don't think the ideology and the um, the belief is not to the degree where they're willing to die. Yeah. There are a lot of people who just many. say I'm willing to die for yeah. Daddy Trump or something like that. Yeah. Okay. You know, Daddy. <laughs> no, no, guy. That I listeners that this is a weird world. Um, I have read on. Read it far too many times when people just refer to Donald Trump as daddy. Yeah, yeah. There's a, yeah, well, yeah, it's an interesting internet. So there is that element of it as well. But let's get back to, to building our timeline. So on the day, there was the rally that Trump promised. There were a lot of various speakers. Rudy Giuliani was there. He, he was calling for trial by trial combat. Trial by combat. There we go. Rudy Giuliani. He was, threw down the gauntlet. Yeah. He, to he, someone. And again, it's one of these things that's like Rudy Giuliani's a weird guy. Like, you know, there's a there's an element of theatrics and politics and whatever. Yeah. But again, like, I, I don't know whether to give him the benefit of the doubt of like, do you really not understand how much of your base is literally saying, yes, we have to like, it is only through a violent insurrection that we can declare a winner. Saying something like trial by combat is like that is one of the most explicit like calls to arm that you could deliver. Yeah, it is literally we'll decide something that we could decide by peaceful means, but rather we would rather fight each other and somebody die in the process. Yeah, this is the only this is the only thing. Yeah. So, you know, you've got things like that. You have Trump uh finally going up on stage delivering his speech about how the votes are fraudulent, the election was fraudulent. At that very moment in the Senate, you had, I believe it was 13 Republican senators sort of spearheaded by Ted Cruz, leading the effort to halt the election certification as much as possible, talking about, like, saying we have to talk about this, the fraud in the election process. They were essentially filibustering. They were filibustering. They didn't have the votes to do anything, but rather they were just trying to eat up as much time as possible. Yeah. Uh, to what end exact? I mean, to look good uh, for the. <laughs> I don't know exactly what that look meant, Evan. I just gave it, gave it a look like. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe the end they were hoping for was that, I don't know, Mike Pence would step in because here's another thing that was going yeah. on. Yeah. Donald Trump has been for, for the, the few days, or maybe just a day, it's been such a long time. It's a grim thing, but I, I also can't help but laugh at just the weirdness of this aspect of the story. Yes. Is that. Mike Pence, the guy who in the Trump administration has like somehow been able to avoid 
allow this bizarreness. You know, he's a politician. Like, he knows how to play the field and whatever. And he's not like a George involved. Bush kind of guy, basically. Yeah, he's, he's like, mostly kind of stayed away from a lot of the more bizarre aspects of the Trump presidency. And as a result, he's kind of one of the few people who has remained, like, at Trump's side through these past four years. Donald Trump decided that the only way to get the election called in his favor was to suddenly come out and say, Mike Pence, uh, uh, as the president of the Senate, can declare that the election was fraudulent and and establish me as president. I is that even possible? Like, <laughs> no, uh, no. Is it, but is there even like uh, not that necessarily like he can declare him to be president, but yeah. rather is there something that Pence can do to basically unilaterally act in such a way? I think that that sounds like ridiculous. To my knowledge, from everything I read in the lead up to this, no, it's completely just one of those Trump things. Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if Donald Trump read somebody tweeted at him or whatever, some QAnon person saying, hey, I've been looking at the law and I it occurred to me, did you know Mike Pence could do that? Because like many things, that's how Donald Trump, I don't know, gets ideas for his No, I mean, plans. I remember you're talking to me back in like 20 or not uh, you were talking to me in 2015, but you're talking to me like a day ago. Where you're saying <laughs> there's a big difference. <laughs> no, but about that, like back in 2015, uh, you were like following Donald Trump because it was such a weird. He was like he was a weird guy. He was like yeah. kind of politically involved, and he was just like super into this conspiracy world. Yeah, I don't think he's fundamentally changed since then. No, as like where does he get his information? I think he gets it from television. I don't think he think he gets it from the internet as well. Yeah, so it wouldn't surprise me if I, I'm sure there are people out there who are literally you. For most things Trump says, you can find the origin point when somebody told it to him. Yeah. And then he decided to repeat it like, oh, my God, do you know that Trump can do it? And they like immediately tweet out, you know, in caps or whatever, like Mike Pence can do that, whatever. Like Mike, yada, yada. So basically what Trump did was he took Mike Pence, one of the few people who has managed to like stay alongside him and not been cast out. <laughs> like one of his like most loyal, like, yeah. you know, like members <laughs> of his like in group. <laughs> and basically told his followers who at this point are have been are very impatient and they're very they're very angry and scared and many of them violent and said mike pence holds the answer he's gonna do this on the sixth a thing that is impossible for mike pence to do so literally all he's done is told his own followers basically mike pence is going to be responsible if i am not president at the end of the day exactly and donald trump went out and when he gave his speech on the sixth he said he, he reiterated this. Mike Pence is in there. He is going to make me president or he, he has the power to. But I don't know if it's going to happen. Mike Pence, you know, I've been hearing some strange things today. And literally like this kind of tone, like, I don't know, like if he's going to follow through with it, maybe he needs some like encouragement. And then Donald Trump said, now all of us are going to march like to the Capitol. We're going to march on the Senate and we're going to go in there and tell them exactly what we think. Donald Trump outside the Krusty Krab. Democracy <laughs> is unfair. Mike Pence is in there dealing with the election. Plotting his... his I don't Oppression. know. I yeah, yeah. Sorry. For whatever reference. reason, that the, 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 the spirit of uh, SpongeBob came to me and told me I must sing this. <laughs> so that was the end of the speech. That was the end of the wild rally, which, for the record... Yes, it. A lot of people were like, like, really, like, revved up from hearing that. 
many people were also like, what was that? This yeah. was the wild thing we were told is that like Pence is in there. He's going to declare me president, except actually he's probably not really going to do it. Right. And for a lot of people, there's been a weird shift where a lot of his like these people who have been supporting him, you know, various like right wing groups, militia groups and things basically on the spot decided, you know what, Trump, you didn't fulfill your role. We're going to fulfill it for you. Yeah. Um, and again, it's a big mix. <laughs> fulfilling the role was kidnapping Mike Pence <laughs> and possibly murdering him. Yes. So what you had was the march. Um up to the Capitol. As you saw, the crowds went up and, and not all police just let people in. There was pushback and things at various points for a good, like for like, but like an hour, basically for a long time. I was just like, Oh my God. Just watching like the March up there and being like, there's not enough cops for this. You see, you saw like photos from like the summer where it was like, they were afraid of protests in DC because there were protests going on in DC. And there was like the national guard out and they were like, 50 people in like a square, uh, whatever, like a, like a 10 foot square area to yeah. make sure that people didn't get up to like the Lincoln Memorial. Right. Yeah. Then you look at the police line around the Capitol building and basically their, like their goal is like, we have these like metal bar rails, essentially like, like one police like officer carnival. per, <laughs> yeah, essentially. And like one police officer per like bar, essentially you just hold this and you cover this like 10 foot like area. Yeah. Like that was not going to stop anybody. It was, it was doomed to fail. Yeah. Uh, which, again, was something they were planning on happening. But once people got in and there was a variety of methods to get in, breaking through windows, pushing through doors, uh, literally scaling walls. It bas- at that point, it was basically just come on in. Now, there's that video of uh, I forget I forget the journalist. With, there was. Hold on is, it, is it the Associated Press? The it was Insider? Insider. Yeah. Basically, she when all they had like busted in the windows and the glass doors to the building and there were just people walking in essentially at that point. And you see that a reporter is walking alongside a bunch of like, you know, Trump supporters going into the building. Yeah. And there were like about 12 police officers like just kind of standing there watching everybody walk in like along like pushed against the wall essentially kind of like letting people through. Yeah. There's nothing they could do at that point. And the reporter says like, "Hey, so like what's what's going to happen? Like what do you guys what is going on here?" And a cop just kind of looks at her like, kind of like, uh, he's like, you're, you're not allowed in here. Nobody's allowed in here. Literally, as <laughs> just like dozens of people walk past him. Yeah. And just kind of like, it, it, it's, it's such like a, and this is the thing that's happening right now. There is like such a cognitive disconnect between the literal facts on the ground and the rhetoric that's coming out of a lot of people who feel like they have to defend what happened. Yeah, yeah. Um, we were talking about sort of how members of the police and sort of police agencies are responding to this. Um, one thing that I want to point out was that the head of the Chicago police union, um, John Catanzara, Catanzara, uh, told NPR the day after that the Capitol rioters did not commit treason. They did not destroy property or loot or cause damage and were not violent. They were simply a group of people who were pissed off about something. This is demonstrably false. Yeah. Like the FBI has brought charges against dozens of people at this point for theft, for looting, for endangering national security based on like stealing mail and documents from the Capitol building. Yeah. But this is fantasy. Yeah. This, uh, there are people who, and like that, you know, uh, Capitol police officer who's just standing there being like, 
talking to the reporter as though nothing was happening. Yeah, yeah. You're not allowed in here. Nobody's allowed in here as dozens of people walk by. And I I would think at some point there would be a breaking point. Yeah. Between, you know, your psyche no longer being able to handle the amount of dis, uh, disconnect there. Yeah. And I'm constantly proven wrong. <laughs> so after that point, people were going in. The main target was the Senate floor itself, where all of a sudden, you know, senators, everybody knows, you know, senators were, they were all evacuated um, before anybody was able to breach or get to them. But when people came in, they were chanting things like, bring us Mike Pence, where is Mike Pence? You know, just marching around in the the, in the, in the, the chamber of Senate. Yeah. Um, like calling for this. You had people with, again, like these zip tie uh, uh, restraints and, and weapons and tactical gear and stuff like this. And one of these guys is a retired lieutenant colonel named Larry Brock from Texas. Like we were saying earlier, there were people who were making plans. These plans were executed according to what the most extreme people were planning there's no reason to believe that the rest of their plans, which were take hostages and potentially execute them, would not have also been carried out had the Senate not been evacuated in time. Yeah. Would everybody there have been, you know, been there for an execution? I'm sure not. But the point is that it appeared that the spearhead of this, that was many of their intention. The most, I don't know if I should say the most baffling thing, is they went in there they had full reign. A lot of people were going into, like, you know, the offices, Nancy Pelosi's office, taking selfies, stealing, like, Nancy Pelosi's lectern was stolen. Yeah. And you got, like, the photos of the dude, like, smiling on his way out, this guy from Florida, who's now been arrested. Arrested. All the people that have photos. Fo- <laughs> Everybody, they go in there, and again, <laughs> a thing with all these right groups is that they operate so intensely online that they'll live stream everything. This is a thing I cannot I cannot emphasize enough is that if you want to know what these people are up to, just you can literally just watch them do it. They'll just talk about it. They will go in there. And in the case of what was that uh, West Virginia representative? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Derek Evans, newly elected Derek Evans, member of the West Virginia House of Delegates, um, streamed on Facebook live. Yes. Himself breaking into the Capitol with a group of people. And you don't see his face, so it was anonymous, though if you had access to his Facebook, you'd know. You know, it was his it was his Facebook that was live. But he made it, it even easier for people to yeah. find out who he was by saying in the video, Derek Evans is in the Capitol building. Yeah, it's yeah. Just kind of we're like, in, we're in, yeah. We're in. It's like well, like people like posing for photos of their face completely uncovered. Yeah, and, and then posting them online, being like, Look, it's me, I'm in the Capitol and whatever. And and, and I mean that that and that representative has He's stepped down in like yeah. He's past been forced to resign. Hours. He's yeah. resigned. You have like a, a like guys like Baked Alaska, who's a he's very online. He he marched at Charlottesville. He's a very prominent far right neo Nazi figure. Yeah, uh, who's been banned from multiple platforms for basically just posting videos where he gets in fights with like minorities and things like yeah. that. <laughs> so he was there. He's live streaming this stuff. A lot of these people are just like posing for photos and whatever, which of course. Here, here's a little tip. If there are <laughs> a tip from uh, from the Anderson brothers to you, far right uh, demonstrators, <laughs> a tip to anybody: if you're going to be committing a felony, it does not matter if your face is covered. It doesn't matter like how secretive you think you're being. If there is any photo evidence or anything at all online, you can reverse 
like like deconstruct who every person is if you want to. And the FBI can do that. They've done it over the summer with Black Lives Matter and Antifa groups. Yeah. There's one, there's a fascinating thread online. Here's the thing. Yeah. Yeah, David, you're talking about this thread. Was this on Twitter? This was on Twitter, yeah. On Twitter, lay folk on Twitter basically doing this work themselves, basically taking together all of the videos and, and photographic photo. evidence that yeah. had been produced that day. Some of it was live stream. Some of it was like Associated Press, Getty Images, stuff like that. N- yeah, different news uh, agencies, people doing it themselves, um, and assembled a timeline essentially of where certain people went, people yeah. who did particularly heinous or dangerous things that day. Yeah. And they're able to determine who these people were, what they were doing. If people on Twitter can do it, the FBI can definitely do it. Yeah. And they can definitely, definitely do it if you post the videos of yourself doing like, <laughs> Saying that it's you and doing from it. From your own accounts and things like that. So, anyway. <laughs> well, hold on. Can I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I want to finish the name dropping because at this point, I think like just saying people's names yeah, is really important. Yeah, let's call out some of these, the most prominent members. So, we know, of course, yeah, Baked Alaska, Derek Evans. Um, everybody knows the, at this point, the QAnon shaman, the guy who is dressed up in like basically a, a Native American like cosplay, essentially. It's like Native American mixed with like a Viking. Also, he has all the Nordic symbols all over him. He has a bunch of Nordic symbols, but I'm pretty positive he's wearing like a buffalo head. Oh, is that what that's, that's what to that be? is, okay. I think. Um, because it's, it, you know, I'm doing air quotes right now, shaman, sort yeah, of. Yeah. So, there's that aspect of it. But things. the Nordic symbols are very like white supremacist. Yeah, like, he's got like a like he's got like a symbology. black sun on him, you know, yeah, yeah. or and he's got like a like an Odin's rune or something like that. These things, I mean, they're prominently used by a lot of white supremacist groups because this is like the purest white culture, essentially. For many of them, there's like a, a very hardcore like Christian element to their like white supremacy. But for if you're like really really hardcore, you're like. No, thank you. The Christians yeah, Christian, came from the Jews. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's like a sense of like, actually, that's like Semitic stuff. That's like yeah. Arab, Jewish stuff. We don't want that, essentially. Yeah. Like we're yeah. going for the Nordic runes. We're going for Nordic paganism, the most yeah. whitest of the white thing you can, which also was a, the Nazis were very into that as well. It's just, yeah, it's, it's just like you put a bunch of Nazi leftovers into your microwave and you warmed them up. And that's basically what the ideology is and what yeah. all the aesthetics are. So you've got this guy, um... Uh, the QAnon shaman, he was, you know, there was images of him up at, you know, basically up at uh, uh, like where Pence was seated, yeah. would, would be seated ordinarily in the Senate. And he's like, he had been shouting, like, bring me Mike Pence and stuff like this. He uh, is a guy named Jacob Chansley. He also goes by Jake and Jelly. He's also been arrested since then. You got guys like Nick Oaks. Oaks? Is that how you pronounce his name? I think it's Oaks. Yeah. Again, yeah. I only ever read these things online. Uh, the founder of the uh, Hawaii chapter of the Proud Boys, he was there, again, taking selfies of himself in the Capitol in the middle of the siege. He's been arrested. You've yeah. got guys like Alex Jones were in the crowd. The arch conspiracy theorist. Yes, he's come up. Uh, I think we talk about him primarily in our 9-11 conspiracy theory episode. Yeah. He, we talk about him a lot. You've got Gavin McGinnis was present. who Founder of the Proud Boys. The founder of the Proud Boys. Yeah. Who said that basically he had created the group to... Because violence is a great way of solving your problems, essentially. Yeah. So you got a lot of these people there. Yeah. These very extreme kind of folks. They're very extreme, but also they're very, like, well-known in their communities. Yeah. So in the aftermath of this coup, siege, insurrection, whatever you want to call it, yeah. basically everybody left. They showed <laughs> up. There was nobody to take or do it. Like, there was nothing to do except yeah. basically show off, like, look, we did it. We made it inside. And everybody left. A lot of them kind of turned their attention towards media, started... Some people did not leave. Breaking cameras. Some people didn't leave. Some people remained. 
But effectively, that was kind of the end of it. Like it persisted. Eventually, people were kicked out, and the Na- and the National Guard was brought in. But yeah, effectively, it was just kind of like, well, I guess that's it. Let's go. <laughs> good job with the revolution, guys. <laughs> good, good revolution. We did it. I mean, it was still a. I, we'll get into why it was still dangerous in yes. a moment. But yeah. Again, getting to the point of how much kind of disunity there is on the right about stuff like this is nobody could agree if what had happened was good or not. Yeah. You had some people who were saying like, yay, we, you know, we did this thing. This is really cool. Look at what we were able to accomplish. Others were saying this was terrible. Clearly this was an Antifa, you know, counter op. Uh, yeah. Counter op to, to smear, you know, true patriots. Yeah. You had. Yeah, I mean, various degrees of that mixes. And what's even more hilarious, in my opinion, is that the same people actually parroting those exact same lines, like within hours of themselves, essentially. Like sometimes people will be like, this is a great thing. These people are Antifa thugs who did this. Basically trying to say that anybody that public outrage would be directed at over this or that charges, criminal charges could be brought against, they would sort of distance themselves and saying, Actually, those are Antifa people. Those are yeah. all you can see that, you know, uh, I can see in this photo. It looks like a, a hammer and sickle stat, like tattoo or oh, pin yeah, or something yeah, like yeah. that. Whatever. Like in this blurry photo in this yeah. photo. Yeah. And it's like, all right, well, fine. You just notice the guy with the the Nazi paraphernalia all over him. Yeah. yeah and, but also to the point, like the point we were just making where it's like for a lot of these guys who are being arrested and there's many more arrests that have been made. And I'm sure many more will come. It's like they're prominent members of these far right communities. They're yeah. not like unless you're telling me that they've been so they're they're so entrenched, like these are super undercover dudes that for the last like several years they've been like they've made themselves some of the figureheads of the these movements just so that they could what cause like lead violence against a cause that they think they care about. about. Like, yeah, it. It, it just doesn't, if you look at it at all, it just doesn't make sense. These people are exactly who they say they are. And just getting back to like the visibility of it all and like yeah. how just shooting themselves in the foot this is, like this would be perfect for anybody bringing charges against these people because literally you have years of intent that you can bring as evidence essentially for this yeah. kind of stuff. And all these people on their social media and, and things like that, you can see exactly yeah. you know, if they've called for violence or, or if they've planned anything or whatever. Because again, I... I just can't get over the fact that how public all this stuff is. And basically what it comes down to is like, well, sure, they say stuff online. People say stuff online, but like they don't mean it or whatever. It's like a fantasy or whatever. And it's like, yeah, in certain areas and things like, yeah, sure. But increasingly, part of the thesis of this show is that the Internet is real life. We used to, I feel like we used to say that a lot. Yeah. And this is just kind of goes. This is one more thing. To show us an example of that. The effects of cyberspace and what we're talking about in terms of these communities has gotten people killed. Yes. And yeah, so we'll get into that. There have been five deaths as a result of this. Yeah. So one group of the mob that was trying to get into the house chamber, the house chamber was not able to be fully evacuated in time by the time that people broke in. So there were dozens of Congress people basically like laying down on the floor, hoping to not get shot. And essentially, you had a handful of Capitol Police who had barricaded the entrances and were basically pointing their firearms at the door to prevent anybody from getting in. One woman basically smashed one of the windows and was trying to climb in with a bunch of people, for, you know, pointing their firearms at her. Yeah. And she ended up being shot in the neck and dying within an hour. Yeah. And this was uh, Ashley Babbitt. 
Yes, correct. And there's actually, again, like everything was covered. There's at least, to my knowledge, four videos actually showing the moment of her getting shot. Yeah. Because uh, people were live streaming as they were trying to break in. And the, uh, something we've talked about before on our QAnon episode is kind of the tragedy of how people get brainwashed by these things. Actually, Babbitt was a QAnon supporter. According to her social media, she believed that January 6th was the storm. This day we've been talking about this kind of like apocalyptic like reckoning that so many people are, are waiting for. She thought that she was part of this proud moment. American uh, history, yeah. Yeah, and I'm not saying that to say that somehow she deserved this or anything. Like, at, at, not at all that she, like, deserved to be shot or anything like that. Yeah. I think it's a tragic fact that, like, she was led to this position. And, I, you know, if there had been a better response prepared by Nobody would have had police, to be shot. Nobody would have been shot. That, yeah. that, that situation wouldn't have gotten as out of hand as it did. There were three other people died who were declared medical emergencies. Yeah, one guy was just very old and the exertion basically gave him a heart attack and he died. Yeah. Uh, There's an armed man named Kevin Greeson, 55 years old from Athens, Alabama, who died of a medical emergency during the unrest. Um, there are a lot of these kinds of folks who there just- There's another woman also. It hasn't been disclosed exactly. There, some other woman had a medical emergency, they say. Yeah. Though one person was murdered- yeah. Uh, uh, one of the Capitol police officers was killed by being smacked in the head with a fire extinguisher. Yeah. And, you know, once a cop dies, I feel like the response is very different. Yeah. Typically. And I don't know if in this instance, like if what we saw afterwards where all of a sudden there was like, I mean, that night cops were going out and they, I mean, it looked much more like, you know, what you would expect to see in like Portland. Tone or, changed or yeah. a soup, like a lot when the National Guard showed up. Yeah, there was a lot more uh, aggression from the police on people, or towards people who were, you know, protesting and stuff that night. So um, those were some of the, some of the deaths that, that happened. There were five deaths as a result. Then that evening, the Senate reconvened, the House reconvened, basically certified the election results. Uh, you had now the group that Ted Cruz was leading to try to filibuster was cut in half. A lot of the Republicans decided the optics was not good. It's not good optics to say we also believe that the election is falsified and we agree with the people who came in and, and broke into the Capitol. And perhaps tried to abduct them. And, and maybe tried yeah. to kill us. Yeah. yeah. Um, for not doing enough or whatever. So um, because there was a lot less support from the Senate, that meant that in the House you had uh, representatives like Marjorie Taylor Greene, who is also a QAnon supporter, uh, the first QAnon supporter in in Congress. We've mentioned her in our QAnon episode also and and also in the election episode. She didn't have the backing. And there were there were other representatives who no longer had backing from the Senate. And basically the whole thing fizzled out. The election results have been confirmed. Joe Biden is will be president. And. There's been a lot of kind of backpedaling, again, even with the change from like, yeah. this is awesome to never mind, this was a conspiracy by Antifa. Like there's like a change in the wind. And I think there's a lot of, I think there's uncertainty. Nobody, no person at this point can make a good faith argument that this was not, not only a American historical event, but also a world historical event that just happened. Yeah. Last time that the United States Capitol building was like th- that, like basically people with hostile intent towards members of the U.S. government entered the building or entered any of the chambers of Congress with weapons, you know, in the case that, you know, of the Senate chamber um, was back in like the War of 1812. 
Yeah. You know, even in the Civil War, the closest that anybody got was like a few miles of the Capitol, essentially. Yeah. Um, it's the first time that a Confederate battle flag was flown in the Capitol building. So the, there, there is a world historical character to what has happened. Yeah. I think it's okay to ridicule what happened to a certain degree, but I think it is dangerous to pretend that it's not direly important. You know, within these groups, this is a massive victory for them. Yeah. They got away with it. You know, they showed that they can kind of do what they want is kind of the message they're taking away from this. And I think the response is going to be, how much more can we get away with next time, basically? So you've got like a former Republican congressman, Denver Riggleman. I'm sorry, that is real name, Denver Riggleman? I just realized that. <laughs> I didn't want to say anything because I'm like, this is a serious part, but... Um... <laughs> well, what he says is very serious, though. Yeah. That uh, we have to be ready for January 20th. And I mean at every state capital that was contested... We need a coordinated effort to detect groups planning now for Inauguration Day, a whole-of-government approach with public trust, data companies, and research universities. I completely agree with that. I think that they're going to try again, and they're probably going to try even before then, because that's what these kind of groups do. They are... They have been emboldened by the fact that they got at least that far. Yeah. And like a toddler, they're going to just kind of keep pushing to see how far they can get. I mean, over the summer in Michigan, you had this militia group that they were they were thwarted by the FBI, but they plan they had a whole plan to kidnap and I believe execute the governor. Well, they were planning on getting some concessions out of it. Was but that, the yeah. idea was that if they didn't get what they wanted, they'd plan to murder her. Right. So like this is not new these things are happening and i believe that yeah this is an emboldening event for them and and a lot of the discourse around uh january 6th has been basically that not necessarily that law enforcement didn't take it seriously because they thwarted the event uh the attempt um but basically that the general public hasn't been taking it seriously enough that basically people weren't like whoa uh basically white nationalists tried to kidnap and possibly murder gretchen whitmire that is like wild we need to be on guard as a, you know, uh, as a citizenry, essentially. Yeah. And for the Republican Party, again, like part of this uncertainty, I think, that is in the future is the fact that, you know, like Evan and I have talked about on our last episode, they've been courting for a long time the more conspiratorial, not conspiratorial, conspiracy theory following. Mm, yeah. Um, these kinds of people, uh, I think, allowing and ratcheting up themselves, like playing into a lot of these fears and things. And basically what you have is a massive part of your base that is now, you know, I, the way, you know, the way we put it last time is like, they, they want one thing in particular. It is Donald Trump must be president and probably remain president, honestly, because there's also a lot of talk about keeping him, you know, for however long you need to keep him for, maybe giving him extra terms and conspiracy theorists want one thing. It's disgusting. (laughs) Exact same joke last time. I know. (laughs) So so now that Republicans have failed to deliver on that, they're turning against the Republicans with the same fervor that they've been turning against Democrats with. Like at this point, people are just straight up calling for the murder of Mike Pence. And, or you know, when it's a politician, it's. (laughs) Yeah, it's the the execution. The just execution of Mike Pence. Yeah. There's like video of Lindsey Graham at the airport. He gets mobbed by a bunch of Trump supporters. Just screaming at him that he's a traitor. Screaming he's a traitor, that he's a garbage human being. That he's going to be sent to Gitmo. Yeah, that basically that he's like, you're going to get your comeuppance for not backing us as fervently as we wanted. Yeah, and it's it's one of these things where it's like, okay, well, as a Republican Party, what do you even, where do you go from here where 
your most fervent supporters, many of them are turning against you and believe that you're enemies of the state. It's yeah. like, okay, well, there goes a lot of your base. And again, you know, we mentioned in our last episode about how there was this like, don't vote for Republicans in the Georgia runoff election. Right. I don't know exactly to what extent that particular sentiment fueled their loss, but couldn't have helped. <laughs> I mean, it didn't help at all. No, again, it was very close. But in the end, both Senate seats in Georgia the day before went to the Democratic candidates, which now means that the Democrats have a majority in the Senate, which now means that both chambers of Congress and the executive branch are all going to be controlled by the Democrats, Yeah, which did not help fuel, you know, the feeling of imminency, imminency that needed to go down. But I mean, you know, that's the election. So so again, like I, I feel like that is pretty good evidence that there has been fallout from their own base saying, we're not going to support you because you're not supporting us. If the election is yeah. rigged, why are we even voting? Well, and I think, and this is both for actual politicians, people in power, but I also think this is part of the conservative media industry, essentially. You know, you saw it back in like December, you would see like Steven Crowder, like posing with like a gun being like, it's our time to fight sort of videos yeah. when it's like, I don't know, three years ago, David Crowder was just like a nice looking, like uh, 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 like a nice, it was just a good boy. It was a nice young man. He was a nice young man, like a sweater vest, talking about conservative principles. Now he's like gun-toting, like in his YouTube videos, essentially. You know, there's a a huge amount of heightening that's going on. And you're asking sort of where does the Republican Party go from here? I think the options are essentially turn back from what could destroy them or they go all in, you know, in the way that I think Certain members of the Republican Party were interested in going all in Yeah, in the way that, like, I think Ted Cruz and the folks that he was working with in the Senate and in the House of Representatives to try and overturn the election. Because the idea was that, you know, this is what our base wants. Gotta give it to them. You know, in our last episode, I had kind of a montage of various people talking about the imminent need. You had, you know, there's like Dave Rubin is in that and yeah. talking about how he's like, I'm not going to take it anymore. And all. Yeah, same thing. Dave Rubin is not going to go out and fight anybody like <laughs> a, that. That is not his jam. But that's the rhetoric that they're right, spe- yeah. spewing, essentially. Yeah. And, it, it you know, it pays dividends in, in amping people up and getting them to go vote. But, it, you know, when it doesn't work, it's basically like, oh, this is what we we're talking about. Right. The violence, the yeah. like. If voting doesn't work, we use the violence, right? So I meant fight for our lives, right? This is what you meant? Yeah, yeah. The left knows exactly what they're doing. They're ruthless. And it's time that somebody did something about it. I remember, like, guys were stripping me of my gear, uh, pulling my badge off my chest, started pulling, uh, like, ammunition magazines from their holder uh, on my belt. And then some guys started getting a hold of my gun and... uh, they were screaming out, you know, kill him with his own gun. Um, and I I just remember yelling out that I have kids. And Mike Pence, I hope you're going to stand up for the good of our Constitution and for the good of our country. And if you're not, I'm going to be very disappointed in you. I will tell you right now, I'm not hearing good stories. We will never give up. We will never concede. It doesn't happen. You don't concede when there's theft. Donald Trump was picked for eight years by God, not four. We did break down Nancy Pelosi's office door, took a picture, sitting in the chair, flipping off the camera, and that was on Fox News. I made it like a foot inside, and they pushed me out, and they maced me. Why did you want to go in? (laughs) 
We're storming the Capitol. It's a revolution. So let's walk down Pennsylvania Avenue. I want to thank you all. God bless you and God bless America. Thank you all for being here. This is incredible. Thank you very much. What a long, I can't, I just, it's know. been a long year. When's New Year's? Why did we decide to do this podcast? That was, <laughs> that was a bad idea. Why don't we do a podcast where we talk about nothing? Why don't we do a Seinfeld podcast? <laughs> we just got back into starting up, you know, because we, we took like a two-year hiatus. And honestly, the reason that I wanted to get back into doing the podcast was basically because a few months ago, I was, you know, I was looking at things and I was like, wow. Things are like getting ready to pop off again. I wish that our podcast still existed so that we could start talking about these things again, because these things are it's building. Yeah. And then I realized, wait a minute, I make my podcast. I make the pod. Evan and I make the podcast. No, so we just got back into it and we're like, yeah, why? Why not get back into this? So it's not really not a coincidence that. You know, it's coinciding with this stuff. That's really the reason why I personally wanted to get back into it. Uh, the reason why I wanted to get back into it was I saw what was happening. I said, man, we were right. We have so little time left to cash in on that. <laughs> Let's get it on the record that nobody and not I shouldn't even say nobody's paying attention, but just broadly, like I, I feel like it's, you know, I've had people tell me they don't listen to the podcast because it makes them <laughs> depressed. <laughs> Tell me where they are. No, and that's totally fine. Like, go, like, yeah, yeah, like that's that's totally fine with me. But I do think that kind of speaks to the fact that it's like thinking about this stuff is depressing. It's exhausting yeah. trying to keep up with this stuff that's going on. I and need, and I need my my London fog and my nice, take a nice warm sip socks. Give a yeah. give the people what they want. <laughs> Your nice warm socks. But no, I, and I think part of it is also, you know, we're not demanding you listen to our podcast every day <laughs> on repeat. <laughs> but no, because also we talk about this stuff because we think it's really important, right? Yeah. Because you're feeling anxiety listening to this podcast sometimes is exactly what we feel, you know? Yeah. So the only reason why we're bringing it to you is because we think we're going to distill the most important information of this. You don't have to doom scroll. David and I have sacrificed ourselves <laughs> to doom scrolling. So that way we can bring you the most. Only the juiciest of doom. <laughs> Only the juiciest of doom. And we wanted to pump you guys up. Yeah. You know what you know, pumps me up, Evan? The fact that in a month, Donald Trump will not be president anymore. And we can go back to doing what, honestly, I prefer doing, which is going after Democrats for all their problems. <laughs> yeah, beating up on liberals. Woo! <laughs> All right. Well, that's it for us. We just basically had, I, I like this kind of impromptu. It wasn't that impromptu. We yeah. still did a lot of research for it. I mean, it, it, we had a faster turnover than I think we've ever had. Yeah. And you know what I like the most, Evan? Hmm. Was sitting here with you, drinking, drinking tea, just kind of chilling and talking into a mic like the old days. Just having a little moment of positivity. Yeah. I love having you. I love you. You're my brother. I love you too, David. You're my brother. And we are Internet Explorers together with all of our friends who are listening. Our powers combined. We are the Internet Explorers. <laughs> The episode is just about over, but first I'm going to list a few updates 
on what's happened since we recorded. First of all, I'd like to emphasize that I realize that just because Trump will be out of office doesn't mean that these white supremacist and militia groups are going to disappear. They existed before him and they're going to exist after him and probably in a more extreme form, if I'm being honest, because if they feel the government is leaving them behind or it's corrupt and being taken over by the Democrats, they're probably going to become more desperate and they're probably going to become more violent as a result. Federal agencies are preparing for more violence on the day of the inauguration itself, not just in DC, but across the country. Hopefully, if there's enough preventative measures, then these won't be anything more than angry demonstrations. One sort of surprising measure that was taken was by Twitter to shut down Trump's account so he can't spread any more conspiracy theories or stoke any more anger. There was also a purge of over 70,000 QAnon accounts, including Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene, who has been a huge proponent of overturning the election results, calling them fraudulent, and kind of inciting the anger that was, you know, on, on the 6th. And the role of lawmakers in endorsing the riot has been the subject of a lot of scrutiny the past several days, with some being accused of giving what are being referred to as reconnaissance tours basically canvassing the Capitol with people who went on to participate in the riot in the days leading up to the 6th. Some people being named are Marjorie Taylor Greene herself, Jim Jordan, Matt Gates, Lauren Boebert, among others. Will anything come of that? I don't know. I My guess is probably not. It's very difficult to prove something that, I mean, that that's a big inside job conspiracy claim. But no, oh, that's where we're at right now. Much easier to prove, though, is that there were a lot of cops who were sympathetic to the rioters and actually helped them get into the Capitol that day. So, as we speak, National Guard troops are being vetted for ties to domestic terror groups to ensure that the same thing doesn't happen again, which, if you know anything about these kind of militia groups, uh, not just in America, but abroad, uh, the MO is to enroll in police and military to get professional training. It's very helpful for them. And then the last thing, of course, is that Donald Trump was impeached by the House again. Um, for whatever, inciting an insurrection or something. I forget exactly what. <laughs> uh, it's been it's been a long week. But now the episode is over, and that means it is time for credits. This episode, we are listening to Prisma by Thomas Novoa. And as always, I'd like to thank Something Unreal for his Windows XP remix that we hear at the top of every episode. The inauguration is a few days away. I hope that this series doesn't need a part three. All right. Fingers crossed.